We'll be in Luke chapter 16 this morning, Luke chapter 16. Love those songs of thankfulness and praise, amen. We are still looking, focusing on our mission's emphasis and Luke 16. I'll begin reading in, uh, let's see. Verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence? Then he said, I, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent.
And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. and uh, I thank you for the privilege that we have to carry the gospel uh, to our neighborhood, to our town, our, 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 our city, our state, our country, and around the world through missionaries. And Lord, there's no more precious message than that of the gospel message of your son Jesus Christ and the salvation you have provided for all through him we're thankful that we have missionaries to support who have left this country and, and uh, the pursuing of what uh, many call the American dream and you've called them to other places to be missionaries we're thankful for them. Bless them in their work, Father. Bless those churches that are praying for them and supporting them, dear God. And, and help us to be missionaries here where we are. God, I ask for the filling of your spirit to teach and preach this unique portion of scripture, Father. And You have much to say and exhort encourage us with and challenge us with through this the knowledge of this event, these events. Lord, please help me. Fill my dear wife with your spirit also, relaying the message in sign. Speak to those that are here with us, those we're thankful for those with us online. Speak to all of us gathered together. And Lord, we pray that uh, we would draw closer to you, that our, we'd have a burden for the lost, dear God, and that we'd be faithful bearers of the gospel, Lord, until you return. <clears throat> Thank you for the good services already. Your word and your spirit has helped us as your word has gone forth. And Father, I thank you for the edification of the church. <clears throat> Father, we look to you, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. For his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled the message this morning, A Missionary Cry from Hell. A Missionary Cry from Hell. This portion of scripture, uh, we believe, is actually a, uh, an event. It's an historical event. Uh, we find Lazarus named in this portion of scripture. Uh, you don't find Jesus naming people in parables. Uh, some would like to say this portion is a parable. No, it's not a parable. There was, there was a, uh, a real beggar named Lazarus who went to a place of comfort. You say, well, why didn't he name the rich man? Probably out of mercy. <laughs> Probably out of mercy. It'd be a tragic thing for a loved one to be sure that sure that they that they had that they had a loved one in hell. That 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 certainly would be, would be a tragic thing. Uh, but we have much to learn from this rich man who also passed away from this earth, but opened his eyes in hell. Yes, hell is a real place. 
Yes, hell is a place of continuous conscious suffering as, as is told here in the word of God. That's why we share the gospel, amen. As wonderful as heaven is, hell is the negative of that, okay? Heaven is more wonderful than we can imagine as hell is more horrible than we can imagine. And yet no one has to go there. Jesus Christ died for all. The way uh, to heaven has been paid. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace are you saved through faith, the Bible says. Faith in Jesus Christ. God wants all to be saved. What can we learn from this rich man who obviously rejected the truth and opened his eyes in hell? Well, we learn, we'll see, first of all, uh, studying this and just looking at it, some things. We'll see through this rich man's uh, a plight, we can see, number one, a missionary perception in hell. We can see, number one, a missionary perception in hell. Luke 16, 22 and 23, he actually says, 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes. And in hell he lift up his eyes. Now we think uh, of another rich man. In the Bible, this rich man was in a parable. But Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, in that parable, he said, uh, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Apparently, that's how rich this rich man lived. He just thought about himself. He fared sumptuously every day. That idea has, uh, has uh, that word has the idea of luxuriant dining. Where shall I eat tonight? I'm getting a little bored of Red Lobster. And uh, uh, there's a new steak place going in. And uh, uh, the best prime rib, you know, uh, there. Where, 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 shall, you know uh, where shall we have our, 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 our party tonight? Our dining uh, 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 party tonight. Of course, he'd be struggling in these days, wouldn't he? <laughs> but just being able to do that. Having those funds. But yet what? Not really even taking notice, apparently, of the beggar laying at his gate, full of sores. He was rich, but he wasn't rich toward God. 
He had lots of material things. He could buy what he wanted, apparently. He could go where he wanted to. What did he forget about? You don't live here forever. We all have to die. The only thing that could stop that is if Jesus Christ comes back before you, you or I do die. Uh, then if you're saved, uh, you will be caught up in the air and you won't have to die. Other than that, uh, we're going to face death. And no doubt, uh, this rich man had heard about eternity. Maybe even, maybe even from Lazarus himself, since he was a believer. And yet what? He obviously rejected those things. He rejected those things. In, in 2 Corinthians 4.18... The Bible says in this life we as believers uh, it says while we look at, at, at while we look not at things which are seen we, but at things which are not seen. This man only had eyes on earth. He didn't worry about eternity. But we are supposed to what? We're supposed to think about eternity. Because you'll be there a whole lot longer than you are here. <laughs> and so will I. We're supposed to be thinking about that. Uh, while in this life uh, uh, he, uh, he he looked on his own just 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 on his own things. <clears throat> in John four thirty five up there, yeah. Uh, say not ye there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Jesus speaking, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For the white already to harvest. See, he lifted up his eyes and looked at all the riches of earth and all the things that he wanted. By the way, it seems he got them. <laughs> but he never lifted up his eyes to heaven and to spiritual things, the needs of those around him. He'd heard about hell, perhaps, and heaven, but now he could not believe. See, because when you die, you are in one place or the other. It's no longer a matter of faith. That which we can see and are experiencing is not faith. It's here. It's reality. He had the opportunity to believe in heaven and hell. Now he doesn't have the opportunity. He can't believe he's there. He can't exercise faith. It's his reality. And he lifted up his eyes to that. <clears throat> we ought to be considering things eternal. Acts 17. God made the world and all things therein, Paul preaches. He made of one blood all nations of men to dwell in the face of the earth. Why? That they should seek at the Lord. Acts 17, 27. And happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. God's among us. He's around us. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men uh, unto me. And by the way, don't think he's not doing that. <laughs> he's doing exactly what he said. He's drawing people unto himself. But like Brother Dennis was saying this morning, uh, God doesn't force us. 
He does command us things to do. He'll tell us, I want you to do this. That's a command. But he, but he doesn't force you out to do the command, does he? That's the sense that Brother Dennis was, was, was using that this morning. Was he didn't force us and make us do those things. Uh, but yet he calls us to those. We see a missionary perception in hell. You see, missionaries see heaven and hell by faith. This man now saw those things, but by reality. By reality. What else do we see? Secondly, uh, we see a missionary pressure in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Being in torments. We think about missionaries. One of the things that is pressing upon them, and by the way, ought to be upon the heart of every believer, is that there is a place of eternal suffering, a place called hell. And people do go there. Jesus very clearly said, hell was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't made for people. Only those who reject the salvation God has provided in Christ only those people miss heaven then they go to the place that wasn't designed for them originally but they go there because they reject the gospel so missionaries are pressured with this thing there's a real hell in Jude uh, we are told to uh, keep ourselves in, in the love of God. And I think the idea there is keep on loving in the love of God in the context. Because after uh, we're told that, we're told by Jude, of some have compassion make a difference. What's that? That's loving as God loves. Then he went on to say, in, 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 right in, in verse 23, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You see, as you give the gospel out faithfully, that there are two things at least that you will see. There's a great love of God. Some have compassion making a difference. For some people, that will stick out. That's what God will use to reach them. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. If you're telling the gospel, you're also going to be telling people of hell. And of the place uh, that all sinners, uh, unrepentant sinners, deserve to go. Because God is a just and righteous and holy God. So you, they'll get the whole picture when you give the gospel. Some people will be moved by fear, and that's okay. And they don't want to go there. They believe those things. And they're fearful of hell, don't want to go there. I can get forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. I call upon his name. Save me. That's good. Amen. That's good. Other people, it's wow. Such love. How could I have rejected that so long? I want that in my life. That works too. Amen. They're both true. They're both true. That, that man had heard these truths, no doubt. But now it's too late to believe them by faith. Now they're his, his reality. 
Now he sees hell with his eyes and he feels hell with his body. You see, faith works to prepare us for the unseen realities that are coming. But once they're upon us, faith is lost in sight. Once we're there. Once we're there. What else do we see? You see, thirdly, a missionary pity in hell. Verse 25. Abraham speaking to this rich man. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. He kept all his goods for himself. He felt no obligation to use what God had given him uh, to help another. This rich man used uh, all his stuff for himself. He had, he had that worldly philosophy. Get all you can. Can all you get. And sit on the can. Amen. That's, about what, that's how the world puts it out. And that's how he lived. That's how he lived. He'd forgotten Deuteronomy 8.18. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. I got that by my intellect. Where'd you get your intellect? <laughs> I got that by my strength. Where'd you get your strength? <laughs> we get those things from God, don't we? He provides them. And uh, he'd forgotten that. He now could see the folly of living for himself only. In Philippians 2.4, we are told, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You see, I know I'm going to heaven. I have no doubt. Over 30 years ago now, I repented of my sin in my heart, and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I became born again. <laughs> And I receive the gift of eternal life. Have I am I worthy of hell because of, the, of heaven because of the life that I lived? No. Of hell I am. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm worthy of. But I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in Jesus. He's the perfect sinless son of God who died and rose again. By the way, that's the payment. His blood. I don't add to that or take away from that. Uh, looking on, and by the way, well, what do I need to worry for? Then I'm going to heaven. Why do I need to worry about you? Well, if you get born again, God's going to put that love in you, amen? Because you'll begin to be concerned about others. You're going to heaven because of what Jesus did for you. They can go to heaven because of what Jesus did for them too. Amen. And now we have. Now we realize God calls us. That we are, we are our brother's keeper. Amen. We are to be reaching out. As missionaries here and abroad. Uh, through, our, through our foreign missionaries. A missionary pity in hell. Fourthly. we see a missionary priority in hell. 
he'd been told that he's worried about his family and Abraham tells the mother they need to listen to the prophets in verse 30 he says nay father Abraham but if one went unto them from the dead they will repent this is from a lost man folks that lost man realized that he missed heaven why because he didn't repent he realized the one thing his loved ones need those that he cared about the most what they needed to do the most was what repent repent that's what they needed he knew that's what he should have done he missed it it's too late it's too late repent John the Baptist the forerunner of Christ came into all the country about Jordan Luke 3 3 preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins Jesus, Matthew 4, 17. For that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 2, 17. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Did we miss it? Or did we get it? What's the priority with this gospel message? Repent. Re repentance means you turn you turn away from whatever else you're believing in you turn away from whatever else you're trusting in and in your heart you turn to trust Jesus Christ alone by faith for the forgiveness of your sins that's what repentance is it's that turning in the heart from our sins to God to faith in Jesus Christ it was Peter's message in Acts uh, 3.19 Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. <laughs> Repent. Paul preaching about how God has bearing witness to himself in his goodness to all in the world. In Acts 17 he talks about you know, he sends his rain on the just and the unjust. The sunshine, the, the, the beautiful sunrise, you know, a lost person can enjoy that too, amen? God's good to all. And then Paul writes that even though God's good to all, many people worship many false gods and don't worship the true God. Don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Paul writes about that. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. God passed over. But now, here it is, commandeth, how many? All men everywhere, what? Two words, to repent. You see, I'm glad God gave us a, a book that's pretty clear on these things. Amen? Uh, it's not vague what God's saying here, is it? We need to turn to Him in repentance. From our sins to faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. He forgives us and saves us. Some people that had died some horrible deaths, and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, some were 
slain while they were giving sacrifices to God. Others, a wall had fallen on them. And Jesus uh, uh, was addressing how some people thought that day. Some people thought that things like that happened to people that sin a lot. Their sin was really bad. That's why they, they happened to be walking by that wall when they were working on it. It fell on them, you know. You know what Jesus' answer was to that? You think they were sinners worse than other people? Nay, I tell you, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. <laughs> You've got to repent. You've got to repent. Put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. When someone repents, they come to understand and believe that they are guilty of sin and they are condemned to hell unless God shows them mercy. At the same time, they understand and believe that God loves them and has sent his holy and perfect son, Jesus. And God delivered him for our offenses and raised him again for our justification. See, I'm forgiven for my sins when I trust Jesus Christ because God delivered him for me. And I'm justified, why? Because he raised Jesus again, not because I do good things afterwards. See, it's a gift by what Jesus did. Someone who repents, they understand and believe that God offers forgiveness for sins and eternal life as a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Alone. They earnestly call on the Lord Jesus to forgive them of their sins, desiring at the same time to be delivered from them both the penalty and the practice of their sins. You know, we hear so many people, you want to be saved, just pray this prayer. What's that? A memorized prayer doesn't save anybody. By the way, a heartless prayer doesn't save anybody. That prayer... Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that I'll be in hell without you, but I believe you're the Son of God. You, you died and you rose again. Please forgive me and save me. I trust you. That prayer meant with all your heart and from all your heart will do the job. Amen. But that prayer just prayed and wrote just repeated words with no heart behind it will do how much? Zero. You say, well, yeah, preacher, but nobody else can tell. God can. <laughs> God only hears prayers. What? God only answers those prayers like that, that, that prayer when it's meant from all your heart. Amen? When it's sincere. Psalm 51.6, David writes, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Truth down inside. In other words, you're being honest with God. You're not you know, holding anything back. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Goes on to say, it is a discerner of the, what? Thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, I'll pray this prayer, but... I'm still going to have, I'm, I'm still I'm still planning on having a drink once in a while. I'll pray this prayer. God saw that. God heard that. He knows your thoughts and intents. 
You can't get saved unless you're calling on, the, uh, on God in utter repentance and total honesty before Him. Right? He knows. He knows. He requires that transparency, that truthfulness. You cannot genuinely ask God for forgiveness of sins if you are not sorry for your sins. You cannot genuinely be sorry for your sins if you are uh, planning on continuing in them. You see that? And God knows all that. So when you repent, you are sorry for your sins and you want to be changed. <laughs> You don't want to keep sinning. You want to be delivered from those sins. Whatever those in your life or my life that the Holy Spirit would convict us of. You don't want to keep doing those things. That's repentance. Anything short of that, that God sees as plain, as clear in day. You might, might, might as well put it on the biggest billboard in the city. Because God sees it. Anything short of that. And that won't get you born again. It's a heart poured out to Him. <clears throat> Number six, God commands all men to repent. <clears throat> what did I do here? <clears throat> Looks like I got things out of order here. Well, let's see over here. Missionary prayer in hell. <clears throat> there we go. He says, I pray thee therefore, Father, thou wouldst send him to my father's house. Praying a little bit late, didn't he? Look what he says here. Or, uh, we have the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore, Lord of the harvest, he'd send forth his laborers in, 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 into his harvest. He wants people to go to the house of his lost brethren, to the places where they live or where they live. What a challenge! What a challenge! Number six, we're moving right along. A missionary plea in hell. This, he's earnest. He says, I have five brethren that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. What does he realize? His brothers likely are thinking the same way he is. You only go around once. Grab all the gusty you can get. Our brother, you know, he, he made it. He, you know, he made the dream. He could go wherever he wanted, do what he wanted to do. He was rich. He's worried his brothers are thinking the same way because he sees where he wound up. He sees it didn't save him. He knows he needed to repent, and he knows what they. He, and now he, he he believes with all his heart that's what they need. By the way, I'm glad we support missionaries that preach the word of God and call people to repentance through the word of God. Amen. Because that's what people need. Just ask a man in hell what people need. God's told us through him what people need is to repent. That, that plea, that plea. Romans 14, 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. This man's life, because he lived it for himself, was what? A stumbling block to his brethren, wasn't it? 
It was a stumbling block to his family. No doubt he boasted about the, you know, the, the chariot that he drove and the horses that he had and, the, you know, and, and all those things. And wow, look at, look at our brother. No. Uh, <clears throat> they were following in his path. Don't our lives need to, need to, need to point to Jesus Christ in the things we say and, and the things that we do? When people who know us and then know we're Christians think about our lives, what do they think about Christianity? Do they think that must be a good thing? Do they think it did? Do they get thirsty for a change in their life? That that would be a good thing, amen. Or do they disdain Christianity? Well, if that's a Christian then I sure don't want to be one. Well, we sure don't want to be there either, do we? We, don't, we want to be in the first one, not the, sec- not the second one. Or do they just figure, they look at our life and Christianity and say, oh, if that's Christianity, I can do with it or without it. They look at it like some people call it today, it's just one of those uh, non-essential things. <laughs> yeah, you can do with it without it. We need to have a life that's more zealous in that amen more plain than that for the glory of God number seven we see a missionary uh, precept in hell he says in verse 28 I've got five brethren you might testify uh, unto them lest they also come into this place of torment and he's told they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What is the, what's the man asking? It would be a great wondrous event. Could you imagine if, if Lazarus came back to talk to my brethren? <laughs> I want to tell you, if he came back from the dead, they'd believe. What was he told though? No, no. He, he says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. God's design for salvation is for what? People to respond to the word of God. To the word of God. That's God's design. I originally had principle. For the, I originally had that point listed as a missionary principle in hell. But it's actually, this is actually a missionary precept. Precept is something written down and declared. See, God has, God has, has declared that we are saved, what? By the word of God. It's, in, it's written in the word of God. It's not something we just have to put together from the basic truths. It's not written out, you know, spelled out clearly, but no, no, no. It is spelled out clearly. People need to hear the word or need to receive the gospel message, believe it, and be saved. It's spelled out clearly in the word of God. So it's a precept. It's a precept, the preaching of the word. have it preacher don't you think they would have listened to me could you imagine if Lazarus who had just died was knocking on your door well it's interesting that we say that uh, because there actually was a man named Lazarus in the Bible who came back from the dead and uh, he too was a, a, a believer 
And uh, the Bible says about him in John 12, 9, much people of the Jews therefore knew he was there. Lazarus uh, was, in, was uh, in a house where they were having a dinner for Jesus. Lazarus was there too. When, when, when much people of the Jews therefore knew he was there, they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they, that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now, doesn't that knock you out? <laughs> they knew this man died. Mary and Martha were blessed in material things. It seems like they had a, 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 a great funeral for him. A lot of people knew about that. They were a popular family in, Be in Bethany. And now Lazarus is back from the dead. And the spiritual leaders say, He's talking about Jesus though. We need to kill this guy. <laughs> How dark can you get? You see, the fact is, great wondrous deeds and, and miraculous deeds, what? Don't guarantee people are going to believe, do they? They don't. The Bible says in the last times, the Antichrist is going to do a miracle. And guess what? Some will believe that, but it'll be too bad. No, you believe the Word of God. It's a, pre, it's a, it's a, it's a precept. Uh, See, God has chosen preaching. Uh, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing. And what? Hearing by the word of God. We can believe in Jesus Christ through the word of God that we receive and hear and understand. Then we believe it. This is God's plan. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 1, 1, 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Jews are very religious. They wanted signs. The Greeks, speaking about the, the intellectuals and such of the time, preaching to them was foolishness. Look at this pastor up here behind this pulpit. What a fool. He's up there yelling and all that, you know. How ridiculous is that? The world thinks what, what, what I'm doing here this morning is, is foolish. And God says, okay. By the way, God isn't, God isn't saying it's foolish. He's calling it that because that's what the world calls it. You want to call what I've ordained foolish? Well, I've chosen the foolish, what you think is foolish, uh, to get the gospel out. God has chosen the foolish of preaching. Since they thought it was full, I'm going to use that. I'm going to, I'm going to use that to, 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 that people would hear the word preached and would believe it and, and be saved. He's chosen the force of preaching to save them that believe. That precept. I'm, I'm thankful we have missionaries that preach the word of God. Brother Stedman, when he was here with us Wednesday night, he said, you know, I looked up here and I was glad to see that pulpit up in front of the church. I was glad to see that we still have people that get up and stand behind the pulpit and preach the word of God. Amen. By the way, you know where we get that? From the Bible. From the Bible. 
Nehemiah chapter 8, they're having revival under Ezra and Nehemiah and such. Uh, they're they're, fin- they're uh, re- uh, building the temple and finishing it up. And in and, and, and Nehemiah 8, 4, Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for that purpose. He's going to read and preach and teach the word of God. Uh, Nehemiah 8, 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. We open this book right up here, don't we? In the sight of all the people. We're not pulling out some ideas of our own. We're, we're preaching out of the word of God. Out of the word of God. He opened the book in the sight of all the people. Uh, Nehemiah 8.6 Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen! Amen! Lifting up their hands. Where do we get that amen stuff? Right out of the Bible. <laughs> And yes, don't be too mad at the Pentecostal. Lift, lifting up your hands is okay too, all right? It's in there. <laughs> this, is, this, this is how we preach. This is a part of what we do. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Isn't that what we do here? We study it what? Verse by verse, sometimes word by word. We learn distinctly what it says and understand it and how to apply it to our lives. We're just doing exactly what God told all to do to preach the word and to preach it from the book and to use the means he's chosen. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. And we actually saw that in the Gospels. Then finally, a missionary, we see a missionary permanence in hell. Verse 23, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And then verse 26, Abraham says, no, I'm not going to send him. And uh, they don't hear the prophets. Uh, they're not going to believe the one rose from the dead. And, and he says, and besides all this, verse 26, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There's no going back and forth after eternity. Your your eternal abode is where you open your eyes after you die. That's where you will be for all all of eternity. It is permanent. It is permanent. There's a great gulf fixed. It comes from the words Megas Cosmos Terizo. Megas, obviously, Mega, Cosmos, Chasm. Fixed. Strong and uh, unmovable. You can't get over to the other side. You can't get over to the other side. You are stuck right where you're at for all eternity for all eternity no purgatory well you go to hell for a little while and your sins will get burned off and you're going over to heaven now there's no crossing over no way no way uh, no reincarnation you're not going to open your eyes as a cricket <laughs> You're not going to be, uh, you know, your, your, your favorite pet that you have when you, when, you, when, you, when you open up your eyes. 
You're not going to be a blade of grass. <laughs> You're going to be a soul in eternity. In one place or the other. Uh, no, uh, no annihilation. Well, I'll just die and that'll be it. Or God will cast us into hell. We'll be burned up and we'll be gone. There's no eternal thing. Wait a minute. Think about this, ch this chapter here. If hell meant annihilation, what kind of a cruel chapter is this? Where we have a person talking about being in torments and, and his tongue burning and wanting just a drop of water and wanting to warn his brethren, wait a minute, he'd be dead. There'd be no one to talk to. No, it's real. It's just as real as God says it is. Uh, he's sealed in his unrepentant, unregenerate de degradation this man is. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. See, hell is an eternal thing. I have a hard time with hell. Just because it's such an awful place. I have to be honest with you. It's hard to imagine. But I can't deny hell any more than I can deny heaven. And I know that the hard time that I have with hell is only because there's still some imperfections in me as yet, in my understanding. I realize that. I trust God. It's hard for me to fathom, but I'm something He made. I'm not Him. Amen? He's far greater. His holiness, I understand, as best my understanding, is what demands that. But we think about that. What has someone done when they reject, when they don't get saved, when they don't repent? The Bible says this, that God uh, eventually... Uh, will obviously consign them to eternity. They'll be with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not what? The love of the truth that, that they might be saved. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 uh, uh, But they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Pleasure in unrighteousness. Think about this and I'm done. Those who hear the gospel with understanding and refuse to believe it do so because they love their sin more than God. At that moment, they're making a choice. My sin or God? At that point of decision, in the gospel, every sinner has been confronted with the love of God who has proven that his love towards us is incomparable through the sufferings and resurrection of his dear son for our sakes. When the gospel is given, they've also been confronted with the guilt of their sin, which God loathes beyond measure. God hates sin as much as he loves righteousness. God loathes sin beyond measure. Now the person who's presented the gospel has a choice before them. In their heart, they can turn away from their sin and towards God, or they can remain in their sin and turn away from God, one or the other. Rejecting both the pardon of God has offered in Christ as well as the love 
of God he has shown in Christ. That's what happened when someone rejects the gospel. They reject God's pardon and they reject God's love. That means they've turned away from the greatest love. This rich, this rich man uh, left up, uh, up his hell being in torments. And I thought about this, this idea of being. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, that's how he's going to be the rest of his life. That's actually what his being is going to consist of. For all eternity now, what? Suffering. Anguish. Remember we saw in earlier in Acts that God's reaching out to us and, and wants us to, uh, to, to be uh, yielding to his drawings and such. Uh, 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 he says, uh, for in him we live and move and have our being, Acts 17, 28. Our, our existence is dependent upon him. You know, the, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 146, 2, While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. We've seen some people in some difficult pain in this church. Their being, their existence has changed. They used to be able to run and jump and play basketball and, you know, uh, and, do, and do all those things, and now their being is not the same. But you know what? The Spirit of God in us doesn't change, does it? We can still worship and praise God. Though our being on the outside changes, guess who doesn't change on the inside? The inward man is what? Renewed day by day. And thank God for that. Well, that lost man's being now will never change. He could have had his being changed when he was still on earth if he'd repented. I had my being changed over 30 years ago when God put his new spirit in me. My existence changed. And so did yours. And God has that for everyone. But after, after this place, we don't have the opportunity for that change. Now's the time, uh, now's the time to receive him. And so, and so important is the work that we do uh, through missionaries. And I'm thankful for the giving of this church and for the opportunity every year to consider and pray for our missionaries and to continue uh, to support them as God as God directs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I remember as a young man living life the way I wanted to. I remember that I, I, had, a, I had a belief in hell, I guess, as much as a sinner can. And I was fearful. But even that didn't draw me unto you. It was when I heard about your love later that you'd already paid it in full. I didn't have an understanding of the gospel. I had no hope of being saved because I didn't realize it was a gift. So all I could do was think about eternity in fear. My own conscience bearing witness that I had never been good enough to deserve heaven. I'm thankful that someone came to me with the gospel, told me about your blessed son, about Jesus Christ being perfect, being delivered for me and raised again for my justification, that all I needed to do was turn from my sin 
and ask Christ to forgive me and save me. I did that, Lord, and you saved me. And I've been yours ever since. And you've been mine. And we all, as believers, can rejoice in that same truth. Father, our heart's desire is that perhaps those listening with us online, streaming, maybe there's some that want, someone not saved. I pray they be earnest with you. I don't have to go over it again, but just be earnest from the heart. Believing in what Christ has done for them. Wanting to be saved and turned from their sins. And just asking you and believing you in your own words. Claiming your promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, shall be saved. They'll do that from the heart, Lord. You'll forgive him and save him. Father, I thank you for the privilege to support missionaries. And I pray you'd help us to continue. We want to do what this man wanted to see done, but too late and he wanted to see it done all the wrong ways we have the, t the now's the time that we can be involved in it and we have the word we have your spirit and your promises God and we help us to be faithful in proclaiming this message as we have our opportunities personally and then through our missionaries around the world as well help us to be careful to thank you and praise you we ask it in Jesus name amen